Hey, happy 4th of July weekend. I'm so proud of you that you've chosen on this holiday weekend to make the Word of God and the body of Christ and what God is doing a priority. Hey, I know the world we live in is far from perfect and we've got lots of work to do, but let's celebrate this weekend that we live in a country where we can freely worship God. That has not been true of so many Christians in history. And God said, to whom much is given, much is required. So let's make the most of our freedom. And I'm proud of you for using your freedom today to seek God and his word. Well, I got to tell you a funny story. This goes back a few years. Here's a picture of Mel around the time this story happened. As you can see, our kids were a little bit younger. We were in that season of life where you're up all night with crying babies and you're just exhausted. And one day we were at home and I was playing in the living room with the kids. Mel was back in the kids' bedroom and I heard all of a sudden, I heard Mel scream like she'd been attacked by someone. And so I ran back to that bedroom and as I'm running back there, all of a sudden now she's laughing. She goes from screaming like someone's attacking her to laughing. I get in the room and here's what had happened. Uh, we had this wooden crib with this mattress that barely fit inside of it. And Mel was trying to get the sheet around the mattress. And don't ask me how she did this, okay? I love her unconditionally somehow she did this. Somehow as she's trying to get this sheet either on or off of this mattress, she punched herself. It like slipped off. She punched herself in the face. That was the scream of agony. And then the laughter was her realizing, oh my goodness, I just punched myself in the face. Here's the thing, live long enough and you'll stub your toe or you'll cut your fingernails too short. Or if you're like my beautiful wife, you might even punch yourself in the face. When a body is active and moving, it's normal for it to get wounds and cuts and bruises. Sometimes it even hurts itself. And this is true in the body of Christ, which we call the church, our relationships. It's also true in the body of a family that we can, as we interact with each other, even when we're healthy and we're doing our best, we can accidentally hurt each other. Well, here's our question we're asking today. When a relationship that you value is damaged or strained, Maybe you have accidentally hurt someone that you care about, or maybe someone you care about has hurt you and you feel like, yeah, John, I wouldn't call it accidental. But it's a relationship you value and there's strain there or it's damaged. How do you keep that relationship from dying? I mean, it's so interesting as a pastor, when couples come in and say, we're going to get a divorce, and I'll say, how long have you been married? And sometimes they say 25 years or 30 years, and you think, Wow, how has this been going on this long and you've both just been not dealing with it? It's strained, it's damaged, and it was never dealt with and eventually the relationship died. How do you prevent that from happening? You know, God wants something so much better for you. Here's what we're gonna see in the word of God today. Active bodies have hurts. The more active you are with your family, the more you're going to step on each other's toes. And in time, as we reopen our normal services, and as you keep meeting with your small group, or if you're attending our micro services, if you're doing our backyard barbecues, and you're hanging out with other believers, guess what? When a body is active, there will be hurts. 
There will be times that one part of the body accidentally clips the fingernail too short for another part of the body, but here's what we're gonna see in the word of God today. Every wound in your life is an opportunity. Every relationship that God is bringing to your mind right now, it may be your marriage, it may be an estranged relationship with a child, it might be someone within our church family or within the larger church, maybe it's where you work, Every wound is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for one of two things. That wound that you have in your heart where you've been hurt. And by the way, God sees that wound. He weeps with you about that wound. God has compassion for you about that wound. And what I'm telling you comes from scripture, from the heart of God to say in love to you today, wounds don't just stay wounds. Wounds always become one of two things. They either get infected or they heal. The wounded relationships that you have, one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to become infected or it's going to heal. Now, God's heart, he is the God of healing. And I want to show you today from the word of God how to heal the relationships in your life that are broken, that are wounded. Let's look in God's word at one of my favorite chapters Ephesians chapter four. Here's how verse two reads. Believers, brothers and sisters, this is in the context of the body of Christ. So you can apply these principles at your workplace. You can apply these principles with non-believers, but with other believers, we have a promise of a supernatural power to carry us along to do some of these things that might not be in our personality. God says, be completely humble. Oh man, God, I can't do that in my strength. Be gentle. Be completely humble and be gentle. What do these things mean? Well, when you're completely humble, you're thinking of someone else as more high than yourself. You're thinking of them more often than you think of yourself. Being completely gentle is the picture of of a mother holding a baby, completely gentle, Knowing, I mean, you've got to support the neck. God says, be this way with each other. Don't be rushed and rough and difficult with each other. Be gentle with each other. And then look how it continues. Be patient. God knew, God knew when he wrote the word of God for us, we all require patience. If you're going to deal with other humans, you've got to have patience. Be patient. Bear with one another. What does that mean? John's translation of that? put up with each other. Bear with each other means when you are starting to run low on patience, give extra patience out of a spirit of love. Keep putting up with each other. And now look at verse three. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. So as I mentioned, this is talking about in your family, everyone in your family who's a believer, in our church family, there is a unity of the spirit, an unseen bond that exists in the supernatural realm, and you can either keep that bond healthy, or you can fight against it, you can tear it. And God says to you and to me, make an effort to keep that unity. Not just make an effort, but make every effort. So what does that mean? It means when I hear gossip about another believer, I I don't invite more and say, oh, really? Oh, and then what did they say? I say, hey, have you talked to the person about it? 
Are you right now in you telling me this? Are you telling me this in a spirit of unity and to build up the body? Or are you just gratifying the flesh that it just feels really good to gossip? Make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. This is not something that we can do in our own strength, but this is who we are as followers of Jesus to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. You know, it's so interesting because Paul the apostle is writing these words in Ephesians 4. And if you study Paul's letters to the churches, we call them the epistles, you'll see that he wrote to churches that were in different cultures and cities, the church in Rome, the church in Corinth, the church in Galatia, the church in Ephesus, which we're studying right now. All these and other churches, they had different cultures, different values, but there's a theme. Every single one of these churches needed to focus on unity. Hurts are inevitable. Hurts are inevitable in your family. Hurts are inevitable in your marriage. If you think, I'm going to divorce this spouse and start over. I'm going to find me a spouse that never hurts me. Guess what? That spouse doesn't exist. Okay, anyone who's alive and breathing is going to offend you at times. It's going to hurt you at times. And it's the same. God knows that you grow when you're in relationship with other believers. And so he says, when they step on your toes, be patient. Be forgiving because Satan knows if he can split you away from those believers, he will stop your growth and he will turn the wounds in your life into infections rather than into healed parts. Did you know sometimes when you have a wound and it heals, it actually heals stronger? I've got a place on my knee where I had fallen riding my motorcycle when I was in middle school. I would mowed a whole bunch of yards to save up money to buy a, a motorcycle and I had enough to get the motorcycle, but I didn't have enough to get any of the protective gear. And I was out riding in the woods one day and I fell off and a stick, a stick went into my leg and I won't gross you out with the details. But here's the thing, that part of my leg where that scar is, that skin's about twice as thick as the surrounding skin. If you will allow God to heal the wounds in your relationships, if you'll allow him to do it his way, they'll actually heal stronger. On the flip side, when that stick was in my leg and I pulled it out, if I hadn't gone to a hospital, if the wound hadn't gotten cleaned out properly, that infection would have, would have grown and grown. It would have spread. It could have even cost a life. If you have a serious infection and you don't deal with it, it leads to gangrene and it can cost a person their life. So this is why Paul the Apostle, he says, hurts are inevitable as you interact with other believers and in your family, bring those hurts to God so you can experience healing. I did a little research this last week about just how deadly infections are. You know, we live in a time where if you do have an infection, your doctor or, or nurse or others can give you a prescription and you go to your CVS or Walgreens or Meyer Pharmacy and you take that prescription and it kills the infection. But for most of human history, that wasn't the case. In fact, did you know that infection, infected wounds, was the leading cause of death for most of history? And I'm talking recent history. Here's a picture of President William McKinley. President William McKinley died in 1901. He died after an assassin shot him, but the gunshot isn't what killed him. What killed him was gangrene from the infection after the gunshot. 
Here's a a picture of President James Garfield. And in 1881, President James Garfield also died of infection. In fact, for thousands of years, the vast majority of human history, it was more common to die from infection, from an infected wound, than from cancer or old age or heart attacks or the things that kill us today. In fact, as recently as the Civil War, here's a picture of a Civil War battlefield hospital. Did you know that the leading cause of death in the Civil War was infected wounds? Get this, I learned this last week that 620,000 people died during the Civil War. That's twice as many soldiers as died in the Mexican War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, all those wars combined. More died in the Civil War. And here's the thing, two out of three of the people who died in the Civil War, they didn't die directly from their battle wounds, they died from the infection of the wounds. It's the same in relationships. Infections kill. Infections in a relationship can kill your marriage. Commonly, we see infections kill family dynamics. Infections in relationships can kill friendships. They can kill church families. Thankfully, we've got a very united church family, but most of us have heard the stories of churches that split because of relationship wounds that never get resolved. You see, wounds are gonna happen. In your marriage, you'll be wounded. With your family, you'll be wounded. Whatever church you attend, there will be imperfect people. But the wounds are rarely what kill a relationship. It's the infection when the wounds aren't dealt with. You know, it's true in life that if you wanna have a baby, you're gonna have diapers to deal with. If you want to have a yard, you're going to have weeds to deal with. If you want to have a car, you're going to have to deal with oil changes and putting some gasoline in there. And it's true that if you want to have healthy, meaningful relationships, if you want to be fulfilled the way God designed you, you've got to learn how to deal with your hurt. You've got to learn how to turn every wound into a healing rather than into an infection. And I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. What's the old? Well, the old me doesn't forgive. The old me holds on to grudges. The old me, when someone wrongs me, I don't go tell them that it's bugging me. I just bottle it up inside. The old me assumes the worst. Oh, they must, I don't know why they did that, but I bet I know why. It's because they are evil or whatever else, right? That's the old me and the list could go on. And guess what? The old you has a lot of the same bad traits, but that's not who you are anymore. You are through God, a person who forgives. You are through God, a person who assumes the best. You're a person who fights for unity. And if you think, okay, I'm trying to assume the best, but I just can't figure out why they would do that, then what do you do? You go to the person and you say, hey, I love you in the Lord. I can't figure out why you did this. It came across this way. You go to them and you allow God to clean out the wound so that it doesn't become infected. Here's a little visual of the trajectory of every wound. You know the wounds right now, the spirit of God, even as we're going through the word of God, is bringing faces and relationships to your mind where you know the relationship is wounded. There's only two ways that a wound goes. It either gets infected or it gets healed. 
And what does infection lead to? Well, infection, if it doesn't end, if it doesn't get treated, it will lead to death, just like we saw with those presidents and in the Civil War. And it's what Satan wants for your relationships. But the exact same wound given to God, saying, God, you're the one who can heal my marriage. You're the one who can heal my heart. You're the one who can help me forgive where I couldn't forgive otherwise leads to healing. And what does healing lead to? Life. It's a great term that me and Mel, we've got Christian marriage counselors who've helped us work through so many issues in our marriage. And I remember a time early on in our marriage, we didn't know if we were going to make it. And our, our therapist, our Christian counselor gave us this term, the intimacy of conflict. And I grew up in a family that didn't have conflict, so I had to really learn how to have any kind of conflict, let alone healthy conflict. And they said, John, you've got to realize that conflict is a form of intimacy. With your spouse, you will say things that you feel that you'd never say to anyone else. Don't think of conflict as always a terrible thing. Think of it as a form of intimacy. That was a turning point for me where a lot of wounds that I was holding inside that were becoming infected, now God was able to start healing them. And now in me and Mel's marriage, and we'll both tell you, neither of us are perfect, and our marriage isn't perfect, but I gotta tell you, there's a lot of life in our marriage today. And it came from getting biblical, godly counsel from someone who said, hey, don't think of conflict as a negative. Think of every wound as an opportunity to grow. And there are areas of me and Mel's marriage now that are so strong that if we hadn't had wounds and healing, those areas wouldn't be so strong today. Would you give God your wounds today? Would you let him work where you feel like a relationship is beyond hope? Here's the reality for you as part of the body of Christ. You are my brother or my sister and listen to what's true about you. Satan wants to discourage Satan wants to destroy you, and Satan wants to divide you away from the people who love you. He wants to divide you away from people in your small group. He wants to divide you away from your spouse, especially if they're another believer. He wants to divide you away from me. He wants to divide you away from anything that would pull you back to the heart of God. That's what Satan wants for you. But here's what the very Spirit of God wants for you. The living, breathing Spirit of God wants to encourage you. The living, breathing spirit of God wants to build you up. And the living, breathing spirit of God wants to unify you with other believers. Why? Because when you're interlocked, when your heart and your soul and your life and relationships are interwoven with other believers, you get stronger. You're less susceptible to temptation. You're more fruitful in using your spiritual gifts. God has a plan for you to be living in unity with other believers. This is God's plan. You know, look at this contrast. Jesus' words in John 10, verse 10. He said, the thief, this is referring to Satan, comes only, the reason Satan came into the world is to kill and destroy. This is Satan's plan for your relationships, and not only your relationships, but for you. He wants to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to do the very opposite. I've come that you might have life. It begins with you receiving Christ as your savior, believing he died on the cross for your sins, and it begins with you having a life relationship with God, eternal life, but then look at this. Jesus says, 
and life to the full. Every day as you wake up and as you live life, you have two dimensions of relationship. There's your relationship with God through Christ. And that's a relationship that you can grow every day. And then there's the relationships all around you with all the other people. And these are spiritual relationships. The relationship with your relatives, with your coworkers, with other believers in our Connection Point Church family, these are spiritual relationships. Each one an opportunity. Well, I'm gonna share with you something that you might not expect me to share with you. I want to tell you today Satan's plan to infect your relationships. And as we go through these, you're going to get the idea that God's plan is the opposite. You'd be correct, okay? What does Satan want to do? Satan wants you to ignore obvious sin in your own life and in the lives of other believers. Satan loves secret, hidden sin. Why is this? Because he wants to trap us. As some of you know, two years ago, we had a raccoon living under our deck and we caught it. And I showed you guys a video of me and Zoe releasing it. Well, would you believe I tried to fortify the deck so that no raccoons could get under there, but we have raccoons again. This time we have a little family of them. I've gotten two of them so far. I've got one more to get. But here's the first one that I caught. And I got to tell you, she was feisty. She was pretty angry. She did not like being in this trap. Did you know that every day as you go about life, there's an enemy of your soul who's laying traps for you? You know, trapping raccoons isn't very hard because they like sweet food. They love marshmallows, but I've learned that really all I have to do, because my kids always have food at the end of the day that they didn't eat and it ends up in the trash, little scraps, that's all I've got to do. Take those scraps, put them out there by the uh, trap, and I've got another raccoon to go drive 20 miles away and release somewhere. Satan, in the same way, every day, he knows what our appetites are. He knows what our desires are. And he wants you to think you can keep reaching in and getting that without getting trapped. But look at what God warns us in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be alert. Be of a sober mind. Don't, don't be stupid. You know what's right and what's wrong. The Spirit of God tells you, the Word of God tells you, you have an enemy who's alive today. And he's prowling about like a predator. And he's looking for someone to devour. Now, what Satan wants is for you to be split away from other believers so that they can't tell you, hey, wake up, stupid, when you start to fall into a sin. He also wants you to be so afraid of anyone not liking you that you won't tell other believers when they're starting to fall into sin. Satan wants that for us, and obviously God wants the opposite. He wants you living free from sin, and he wants you in relationship with other believers who can call you out and who you, in love, say to them, there's a verse in Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted. You say, brother, I love you, or sister, I love you, but... You know, it sure seems like you're going down this road. Well, what else does Satan want for your relationship? Satan wants you to open a foothold for him. How does he infect your relationships? He gets a foothold, and his favorite foothold is the foothold of unforgiveness. He wants to take a legitimate wound that you have, and instead of you going to the hospital of heaven and saying, Father God, perfect Father in heaven, here's this wound in my heart where I've been wrong. Satan doesn't want you to do that. 
But Satan will whisper in your ear, just like he did for Eve in the Garden of Eden. He'll say, I see your wound. Oh, I see how much that hurts. Ah, you can never forgive them. You've got to hold on to this. You've got to hold on to this. And any time that person, you start to feel drawn back to them, you've got to remember how they hurt you. Don't you ever forget it. Those are the words of Satan. He wants to get a foothold in your relationships through the foothold of unforgiveness. Paul the Apostle wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says this, I'm going to forgive those of you who've wronged me. Why am I going to forgive you? Well, because God commands me to. Second reason why is in order that Satan, the enemy of our souls, might not outsmart us. Paul says, if I don't forgive you, not only would I be disobeying God, but I would be falling right into Satan's traps. But I'm not unaware of his schemes. Believers don't ever fall for Satan's trap of unforgiveness. It'll split you away from other believers. It will infect the wounds that are in your heart and it'll leave you lonely and it'll leave you even more susceptible to him. You know, it's so interesting in a marriage relationship and the same is true um, in in non-marriage relationships that very often it's our differences that attract us to each other. We like what's different about the other person. But the irony is, once you start to live together and have every day together and you're stressed out and you're tired, the same differences that used to attract you can now repel you. And you say, ah, why do you always do that? The exact same thing that you loved when you were dating, now it drives you crazy. That's especially true in marriage, but it can be true in non-romantic relationships as well. You know, man, I love working with that coworker. They do things differently. But then you get under stress and under pressure. And it's like, ah, oh, why did I do things differently, right? This is normal. This is a normal thing. But here's the thing. You learn to fit together. You learn to work together as a parent and a child, as a coworker, in your small group, in the body of Christ. And you celebrate, wow, God made us different for a reason. I'm so glad you're good at things that I'm bad at. And I'm so glad that God's given me some areas where I can help you. And instead of seeing these things as competition or conflict, we learn to work together. But that only happens if we'll forgive. I don't know who it is, but God is putting on my heart right now that there's someone watching this. And maybe it's because of COVID and being home so much. The marriage that you thought was set, you've realized this marriage The foundation's not even there. And you're contemplating divorce or your spouse out of the blue came to you and said, I'm contemplating divorce. Here's the thing, you've got to forgive. There's unforgiveness at the heart when you've got two believers and they just can't deal with each other anymore. God can forgive, God can heal, God can restore, but you've got to fight for it. Don't fall for Satan's lie that you should harbor unforgiveness. It's not going to help you in the end. It's only going to lead to death. Well, I don't know if you've got any mulch beds in your yard. I do. And here's the problem that I have in my mulch beds. Weeds. (laughs) I know so many of you relate. It's like you put fresh mulch in there and it looks so beautiful until it rains. (laughs) it's like that mulch that looked so good. Now all of a sudden, all these weeds start sprouting up. And if you're anything like me, I know there's weed killers you can spray in there. And that's probably some kind of metaphor, but here's the thing in real life, 
You just gotta keep pulling those suckers. And forgiveness is the same way. Every time there's a wound, Satan sprouts up another little weed of potentially unforgiveness that will drive you away from that person. And you've gotta just keep pulling those. You gotta keep choosing to forgive. Well, there's a third way that Satan wants to divide you away from the people that you love, and it's this. He wants you to slander. That is, he wants you to use the power of your words. You know, uh, fish can't use words. Monkeys can't use words. As humans, you're, we are made in the image of God, and one of the unique things about that is our cognition, our ability to form words and use words. Words are deeply spiritual. God spoke the universe into existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a name for Jesus Christ in John chapter 1. Words are deeply spiritual. And in an age where we can quickly uh, type off a text message or rattle off a social media reply, we can be so careless with our words. Do you know that Satan, he wants you to use your words to slander other believers? He wants you to judge and he wants you to spread that around so that those weeds can grow in the hearts of other people. He wants to do this within any body of Christ and he especially loves it when one church will start to do it and slander another church. Did you know that God defines Satan as the accuser of his people? Look at this in Revelation 12, verse 10. Revelation 12, 10 says, the accuser of our brothers. This is referring to Satan. So God says, what's a good name for Satan? Well, Satan's the one who's constantly slandering the people of God. He accuses them before our God day and night. In fact, if you want a picture of this, look at Job chapter one, verses nine through 11. And here's what you'll see. When I accuse other believers, I'm doing Satan's work. <laughs> Those are harsh words, right? When I accuse other believers, I'm actually doing Satan's work. Here's a picture of a mountain climber getting a foothold, a toehold. And this is what Satan wants. If you want to go deeper, look at Ephesians 4, verse 27. It says, when you slander another believer, when you use your words to spread things that aren't true or aren't verified about another believer, what are you doing? You're creating a little place where Satan can get a foothold. So that Satan, the idea was scaling a wall in ancient warfare where they'd have these walled cities. And if a person could get a foothold, they could scale that wall and they could conquer the people inside. Galatians 5, one of these powerful verses of scripture says this, if you bite and devour each other, and this is in the context of our words, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Is that not exactly what's happening in what some people call the divided states of America? Now, we'll keep focused on the body of Christ here, okay? Because that's who we are and that's what we're responsible for. But if we use our words to bite and devour, and by the way, if we sit by willingly when other believers use their words to bite and devour, guess what? We'll do Satan's work for him and he doesn't even have to attack the work of God anymore because he's fooled God's people into doing his own destructive work for him. Well, there's a fourth way that Satan wants to infect your relationships, and it's this. He wants you to be easily offended, and he wants you to assume the worst. You might 
recall in 1 Corinthians 13, it's God's definition of love. And then God says, love is not easily offended. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know that I have times that I wake up and I'm grumpy and I just know I'm not in a good mood. And I know that anyone that comes across my path in that moment, I'm going to be easily offended. So I try to avoid people and I try to wake up and I try to drink some coffee till I get in a better mood. But you know what it's like to be easily offended or to be with someone where you're really making an effort and you say, hey, I'm going to keep assuming the best. Satan wants you to always be easily offended. He wants you to not be assuming the best. Love is not easily angered. Love is doesn't keep a record of wrongs. If the person who God's been bringing to your mind in this study, you're thinking, I've got this list of 15 ways they've wronged me. Guess what? That's not love. And God calls us to love. And I know some of you are saying, John, you don't understand how deeply they've hurt me. I get it. I don't understand. But do you know who does? Jesus does. Because Jesus took upon him every wrong that all of us have ever committed and those same wrongs that were done against you, they were done to Jesus and so much more. When he willingly died on the cross for us, those wrongs have been forgiven by God. Now be like God and allow him to forgive those as well. Well, in our small group study this week, um, I will give you, I've done so much more study on this, I just don't have enough time to unpack it. But in our small group study, we're gonna have the opposite of these four things, how the spirit of God empowers you to assume the best. Uh, one of them that I've just gotta highlight for you is Matthew chapter 18. If you don't know this principle in scripture, when a brother or sister wrongs you, God says, go to them. If you can't assume the best, go to that person. I can't tell you how many relationships I've seen destroyed because a person wouldn't practice Matthew 18. They wouldn't go to the person. Now, here's the summary for today. Satan wants to divide. Satan wants to divide because he knows how powerful you and me are when we are united together in Christ. He does not want to allow that to happen. So we've got to choose together to say Satan's not going to outwit us. He's not going to... He's not going to fool us into unforgiveness or other patterns with our speech or emotions that would lead to division and separation. Instead, the spirit of God who is within you right now and is speaking to your heart, even as we study his word, he wants us to love each other. And that's because he knows how powerful we are when we're unified together. The heroes of scripture, they always had other believers around them encouraging them. God calls us the body because we're so much stronger together. And church, today I just want to encourage you. Connection Point is a church that's defined by loving relationships, by assuming the best, by fighting for unity. And so I want to say to you today, way to go church. Keep doing what you're doing and allow the word of God today to encourage you to keep living like Jesus in your relationships. Now, let me give you one last application. What's the one principle you've heard today or the one person who God has put on your heart? I know for me, as I studied these principles in scripture, there were specific people God put on my heart that I needed to forgive. And sometimes you can forgive without having a conversation. Other times you need to have that conversation. If you can't forgive without the conversation, then do Matthew 18 and go to the person. 
Or maybe for you, it's not just one person, but it's the principle. I've gotten loose with my speech. I've been using my words to slander and tear down other believers. I've actually been doing the work of Satan with my words. God, forgive me for that. What's the one thing God has spoken to you today? And would you choose with me right now to say, God, today, I choose your way for my relationships. And where there are wounds in my life, I'm not going to allow them to fester and become infected. And if they have, I'm going to bring them to you for a cleansing and a cleaning. Every wound is an opportunity and it can be healed through the power of God and it can lead to life and strengthen relationship. I want to pray that for you right now. Father, Lord, I pray for every person in our church family, many of us right here in Indiana and Lord, others watching in Arizona and Canada and Puerto Rico and all around and Lord, I pray for every single one of us in this moment. God, you see the wounds that are in our lives. Lord, you see marriages that are broken and they seem wounded beyond repair. You see believers who've grown discouraged by other believers. You see where we've assumed the worst and Satan has used that to trap us or where we have not been forgiving and Satan has used that to divide us away. And God, right now, I just claim your power to heal, to restore, to set free. Lord, I claim your power for every relationship that is represented in our network right now. God, that we would be people of God, that we would be kind, that we would be humble, that we would be patient, that we would bear with one another in love, that we would make every effort to keep the unity of your spirit because God, our relationships are deeply spiritual. They are the battleground between heaven and hell. And Lord, it's only by your power that we can love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and mistakes. God, we thank you for your love poured out for us on the cross through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. And Lord, as you wash away our mistakes, would you make us people who, because we've been loved so much, we can love others much and love others deeply. God, unify our church as you have in the past. Knit our hearts together that we'd be a picture of heaven on earth. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.